Hey, guess what, everybody? It's the Hope and Anchor podcast again. <laughs> I just startled my wife. <laughs> hey, this is the eighth week. The eighth week of quarantine. <laughs> I thought it was the night. No, this is the eighth Sunday in quarantine uh, here at Hope and Anchor. But I am really tickled pink that you have joined us again here today. And I um, hope you've had a... a uh, meaningful and productive week. Looks like things are starting to maybe, maybe open up a little bit again, except for churches. Uh, I'm really praying that God would guide this process, give everyone wisdom and patience and just common sense, and that um, that we wouldn't see a giant spike in COVID cases going forward, and that uh, just everyone would uh, maybe take it down a notch, maybe just uh, go back to uh, really, um, I don't know, just doing what they do, but doing it carefully and just being considerate of others and uh, really hoping for the best and just uh, really kind of uh, thinking about what's best for all of us as a city and as a community rather than just uh, what we want to do. And I, and I say that, that's hard for me. But uh, anyway, uh, as you might have surmised, I'm here with my wife again, Christy, and uh, we always look forward to this time, these few minutes where we get to uh, talk a little bit and meet up with you and uh, just get our time together started. So, um, um, how are you doing today? I'm tired today. Tired? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Allergies and hard work in the yard. Yeah. Christy and I were talking about how, while we normally have been pretty back-to-the-earth people anyway, I mean, we always have gardened and made bread and things like that, during this shutdown, it's been like Little House on the Prairie around here. We were talking through a list of uh, of, of those, uh, you know, uh, homesteading kind homesteading of things. things. We've got I, Pa was out building fences. <laughs> Ma was working on the garden and the pond. The chickens. And was having this crazy talk about bees. I've wanted bees for oh my goodness since probably since Brennan was born. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, I think yesterday, if you'd have walked through our house, you'd have seen um, Chloe working on the sewing machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brennan's out helping me uh, put the fence together. It's just been pretty nice. Oh, and then yesterday, a big shipment of grain showed up from the Olson Mercantile. <laughs> or Mercantile. Mercantile. <laughs> the Olson's little house on the prairie time. I remember that. Good job. Yeah, I've been preparing and praying about this. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, so it's been busy. Uh, so this hasn't been wasted time. So that's that's good news. But anyway, I uh, hope your uh, time has been put to good use as well. That it's not just been spent um, feeling stuck or staring into the abyss. Uh, we're gonna get through this, and uh, sooner rather than later would be great. But uh, I've really struggled a little bit with my attitude this week, and so maybe we should pray about that this week as we pray. Uh, remember, uh, like we said, pray for. Uh, the recovery phase that we're entering into. Pray that our community is is wise and, and careful. Uh, pray for those who are still being affected by the illness. Uh, pray for economic stability, that as all these jobs and all these uh, businesses start to open up again, that there would be, um, there would be, I don't know, just people shopping, people buying, you know, people participating economically so that uh, we can start to see livelihoods restored. But then underneath all this, like I said, pray that our, the attitudes of our hearts would be healed. Because uh, when, when the word came down this week that things were going to open up, that churches were not allowed to meet at all, and it really stirred up some, some of those uh, feelings of uh, discouragement, of anger, of uh, anxiety that had really been 
kind of ping-ponging around in my heart for the first few weeks of shutdown. It just kind of kicked them all back up. And so that's been going on inside of me this week. I don't know what it's been like for you, but um, that's just a little bit about how I've been uh, processing it this week. So I think there's a lot of things that we need to be praying about as we go to the Lord today. So um, if you will uh, join us in our gathering prayer. Today is the fourth Sunday of Easter, and Christy is going to uh, read our gathering prayer for us this morning. So please join us. Safe in your hands, O God, is the flock you shepherd through Jesus, your Son. Lead us always to the living waters where you promise respite and refreshment, that we may be counted among those who know and follow you. We ask this through Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. Okay, today we are continuing in our Behind the Music uh, series, teaching series. This is week number three, and uh, this song is not a, I don't know, I was telling my wife, it's a very popular song, but it's a really, to me, it's kind of an annoying song. Uh, it's uh, actually, I heard historically that in the old days, if you got uh, hit on and someone wanted your phone number, you could actually give them a phone number that if they called it, this song would actually play. And uh, so today, uh, in our week three of the Behind the Music teaching series, we have Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Hey Alexa, play Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Here's Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley on Amazon Music.
All right, everyone just got Rick rolled. You're welcome. Yeah, Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give You Up. I know you're probably familiar with that song uh, for several different reasons, but uh, anyway, uh, it's made the rounds for sure. Here's a, a, a synopsis of the lyrics you just heard in that song. We're no strangers to love. You know the rules, and so do I. A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other guy. I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye. Never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. We've known each other for so long. Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to say it. Inside, we both know what's been going on. We know the game, and we're going to play it. And if you ask me how I'm feeling, don't tell me you're too blind to see. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Never going to run around and desert you. Never going to make you cry. Never going to say goodbye. Never going to... Ellipsis. Rick Astley. Never going to give you up. Have you ever felt like you might just be an exception to the rule? Have you ever felt like you might be just a little too screwed up to be loved and accepted by God? Have you ever felt like you're just a little too broken to, be, to, to ever possibly be used by Him? Maybe you felt like you might be an outlier, like you somehow aren't included in all that good stuff the Bible says about how God feels toward mankind. About all that good stuff the Bible says about how God, through Jesus, how He feels about you. That maybe in the end, you just aren't cut out for all those gospel promises. And why? Well, maybe it's because, maybe it's because you've just messed up too much. Maybe you've broke too many rules. Or, or, or maybe you just can't quite quit that bad habit. Perhaps you've given in to temptation far too often. And maybe you, maybe you cuss a little bit too much. Perhaps, perhaps it's because you've broken too much trust and maybe you've hurt others too badly. Maybe you've been angry at God and in, in times of grief and of pain, you've actually snapped at Him. You've maybe even cussed at Him and then retreated into darkness. You know, whatever the reason... You believe that at some level, you are too bad to be loved by God. You are too damaged to be loved by God. You're, 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 you're broken somehow beyond God's reach. Tragically, instead of loving you, you are convinced that God is actually pretty mad at you. Does this speak of you? Does this describe kind of your relationship, your attitude toward God, your assumptions about God? Man, far too many times in my life, that's how I've felt. That's kind of the baseline assumption that I've carried with me. And so many of my friends, I think, struggle with the same thing. Some of us, uh, me included, we seem to have an inclination toward guilt. Especially in my spiritual life. Have this inclination toward guilt and toward shame. It just seems to be like wired into me. Um, it's what I call the, the bad dog mentality. That I just go around and, and, and even when I, anytime I interact with God, uh, my, my default setting is that I hang my head, I tuck my tail, and I'm approaching Him as a bad dog. I know I'm in trouble. I know I did something wrong and I shouldn't have done it. 
We are given to this feeling uh, that our God, this assumption that our God is basically like all the other gods of our human imaginings. That our God is also hateful. Our God is also capricious. He's petty and he's hot-tempered. But here's the problem. Here's the conflict. Over and over again, we come to church and we sit there and we open the Bible. And we come and we hear about a Creator God that actually He exists eternally in love. He exists eternally in love and He desires to share His abundant love with us. What? We are presented with a God that given the opportunity to describe who He is, He describes Himself as love. God is love in its very essence. God is love itself. Look at 1 John chapter 4. This is where John is writing and he says, this is what God is like. Look at 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Well, that's pretty good news. Oh, but it gets better. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. That's pretty good too. Verse 8, But anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Love one another, John says. Love one another because love comes from God. And not only that, not only does love come from God, God is love itself. God is the source. He is the source and the beginning of love. This God that we read about in the Bible acted upon that love that essential nature of love. He acted upon it in sending His Son Jesus to rescue us, to redeem us, and to reconcile us through a radical, self-giving type of compassionate love. So, that runs right up against our, our, our defaults, our, our, our bad dog mentality. So what do we do with that truth? How do we go about getting our heads and our, and our hearts around this clash between our perception and the reality we find in Scripture? How do we actually, a little bit more, day by day, start to actually believe that this might be true? That it might be true that God isn't mad at us. God actually likes us. In fact, He loves us. You see... If we, if we go to the New Testament and we look at Jesus' ministry, we find something about how He spent His days, how He behaved in His ministry. We find that Jesus was focused like a laser on the people who were genuinely convinced that God wanted nothing to do with them. Think about it. Jesus, who did He seek out? Who did he go out of his way to find? Jesus sought out the blind. Jesus sought out the sick. He sought out the lame. He sought out the rejects, the outcasts, the unclean, the unacceptable. Guys, he, Jesus, he sat with the Samaritan woman. Jesus defended the adulterous woman. Jesus reached out and touched the leper. He healed the blind beggar. He raised the dead. 
Frankly, if Jesus came only to confirm our suspicions about an angry God, to confirm our suspicions about a, a God who is mad at us and who doesn't like us, He failed spectacularly. If that's what Jesus came to prove to us, He failed. He's, Jesus simply did not succeed in proving to us that God hates our guts. Jesus did not succeed in proving to us that God wants to punish us because when Jesus came and actually demonstrated what God was about and what God desired for us and felt towards us, everything He did surprised us. It, it confronted us. It confounded us. With Jesus, everything we expected was turned upside down. Everything. Those who felt self-qualified and self-righteous, when they encountered Jesus, they were rebuked and they were humbled. And those who felt disqualified and who felt scuzzy, they encountered Jesus and they were lifted up and they were welcomed. What? What do we do with this? Look at this. Uh, look to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 18. Let's look at verses 9 through 14. Here's a story Jesus tells of a tax collector and a Pharisee. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I, I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What? I don't think we fully apprehend how shocking, how stunning this story would be. If you look in your Bible, this story is in red ink. This means this is a story from the lips of Jesus. This is God in the flesh, Jesus expressing the reality of God, the reality of, of redemption, of salvation, what it means to be exalted by God, to be humbled, to be lifted up. It's not about being super religious and, and abiding by all the rules. For some reason, Jesus looks in this story to the tax collector and says, this guy gets it. He beats his chest and says, I have no business being here. And to him, he says, you are welcome here. I love this story, but, but to be truthful, it, it rocks me a little bit. But moving forward, I hope that maybe just we can move that needle just a little bit today at least. I hope we can all believe that to some degree, God likes us. To some degree, God loves you. In spite of ourselves, Jesus came to seek and to save people just like you and me. And trusting that God is love and that He loves us, this is a, a, the necessary starting point for something I'd like to talk about today. I'd like to really zero in on this, this strange and wonderful dynamic of the Christian faith. 
and it's this. It's our, it's that, it's our brokenness and our weakness that God actually desires to use. God doesn't want us to get over this or to fix it before we can come to Him. God wants to come to us and say, Hey, I know you're broken. I know you're weak. And this is where I do some of my best work. It's our brokenness and our weakness that God actually desires to use in us. Last year, in 2019, I was listening through the Bible uh, each day. Well, not the whole Bible each day, but a little bit each day, so that during the whole year I listened through the whole Bible. Anyway, I listened through the Bible utilizing a plan on my Bible app um, that was put together by a guy named Nicky Gumbel, who is the founder of Alpha Discipleship. Some of you may be familiar with Alpha Discipleship. But uh, in addition to hearing each day uh, a reading from the Psalms, a reading from the Proverbs, and then a reading from the New Testament and the Old Testament, each day began with Nicky Gumbel uh, reading a devotion highlighting that day's theme. And his devotional usually tied in to the day's scripture passage. It kind of tied into the scripture passages, but also kind of tried to bring all of those different passages from the Pro Psalms, the Proverbs, the New Testament, and Old Testament. Tried to kind of weave those together into a coherent theme for the day. I remember that on May 7th of 2019, uh, he read a devotional for the day that was called 12 Ways to Be Useful to God. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to give you the 12 ways to be useful to God. That's maybe for another day. But that devotional for the day began with a story. It began with the story of a water bearer uh, that lived in India. Uh, his story, I think, captured well something about God and His love and about us and our weakness and how those two things meet, how they meet and how they are put to good use um, uh, by God. So listen to this story. I think, I think it'll bless you. A water bearer in India had two large pots, both hung on the ends of a pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. At the end of the long walk from the stream to the house, the cracked pot always arrived half full. The poor cracked pot was ashamed of his own imperfection and miserable that it was, was able to accomplish only half of what it did. Uh, the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived as a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I am ashamed of myself, and I want to apologize to you. I have been able to, del to deliver only half my load because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. Because of my flaws, you have to do all of this work, and you don't even get full value from my efforts. And the water bearer said to the pot, Oh, did you notice? Did you notice that there, was, that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I have always known about your flaw. And I planted flower seeds on, on your side of the path. And, and every day while we walk back, you've watered them. For two years, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate the table. Without you being just the way you are, there would not be this beauty to grace the house. Oh, thankfully, God uses cracked pots. You do not need to be perfect for God to use you. Let me say that again. 
You do not need to be perfect for God to use you. Jesus seemed to enjoy doing extraordinary things with ordinary people. He, seems, he seemed to like the element of surprise in how and in, and in who He chose to do His work. Somehow, God is glorified when He pursues His will and affects His plans through people just like us. God is surprisingly honored in creation by working alongside and within the imperfect, the leaky, the ashamed, the cracked pots. Now, listen to how Paul talks about this. The Apostle Paul, he, who, he had some sort of a hang-up, some sort of an affliction, uh, something that um, he bore in his body that he had asked God over and over again to heal, to take away. And we, we relate to that, I think. But here's the Apostle Paul. Listen to how he explains what he learned from God about the value of weakness. The value of, uh, of affliction, of weakness. From the Apostle Paul, we can learn something about how our thorn in the flesh can be used for God's glory. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read verses 1 through 10, where Paul talks about how God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Uh, for 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So, now I am glad. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I love this passage. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're familiar with 2 Corinthians, um, this is a sometimes terse letter that Paul has written to the church in Corinth. But in this, he wants to, he wants to draw a clear contrast for his readers for the readers in Corinth and the readers here today, you and me. Paul draws a clear contrast between his experiences and his special callings, his special calling, which indeed was uh, special, 
He's drawing this contrast between that, that, that special calling and experience and this painful awareness of his weakness and of his humanity. Paul carries with him this thorn in the flesh, but also the memory of what he had done in his previous life. How he had persecuted the people of God. How he had chased down and, uh, and persecuted the followers of Jesus. He carried all this with him, and so that provided this contrast in him, and he wants to express that to his readers. Paul could have relied upon his status as an apostle. To be a capital A apostle was a big deal. He could have relied on that status to uh, get his way to affect change in his churches. He could have relied on his status as an apostle to influence the behavior of others. He could have used that to elicit a desired response from his readers. But he could also have easily become prideful. And he knew this. He said, man, give me an ounce of, of power and authority. And in my flesh, I'm going to run wild with that. I'm going to become a prideful jerk. And it's going to be really hard to be around me. And I'm going to just trust in myself way too much. Uh, and it's going to lead to my ruin. It's going to lead to your harm. And it's going to cut me off from the work God wants to do in my life. So what did God do? God allowed Paul to have what he calls a thorn in his flesh. A thorn in his flesh. Uh, we don't know what this was specifically. We know it wasn't actually a thorn in his flesh. It was a, um, he was referring to something else, and he didn't share what that was. So we don't know what it was. But he also calls it a messenger from Satan. So this messenger from Satan, it tormented him. And it kept him from becoming proud, from becoming smug and self-satisfied. It's weird, and, and, and I, re, I relate to Paul on this. Sometimes the things that cause us pain and discomfort, we cry out to God, God, please heal this, please take this away, and God doesn't do it. And we assume that God didn't hear our prayer, that we weren't worthy, that we hadn't um, been faithful enough, or there was sin in our life, or whatever. Uh, but maybe... For us too, like Paul, God is saying, no, you need that pain. You need that discomfort because it's doing something in you. It's affecting a work in you that keeps you positioned. It keeps you in the right posture for me to use you. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. He was given a messenger from Satan that tormented him, kept him from becoming proud, smug, and self-satisfied, but it also kept him oriented in the will of God kept him able to be used, and kept him from becoming super prideful and uh, cut off from the Word of God because of his sin. And we're like that too, aren't we? We're like Paul. We, we too, we live in this tension be between being prideful and feeling inadequate. We, we live in this tension between uh, boasting in our awesomeness and wallowing in our awfulness. I don't know if this is just part and parcel of the life, of the spiritual life, of the life with Christ, but we kind of vacillate. Sometimes we feel this, this, this pull between uh, the temptation to become prideful and self-assured and start spiking the football saying, look how awesome I am, but also at the same time feeling like, man, I'm super inadequate. I can't do anything right. I am the world's most awful person. Sometimes we swing between these two extremes, these two poles, uh, both within the same day, maybe even within the same hour. But know this, when we embrace our weakness, when we uh, accept the thorn in our flesh, we are in a far better position to be used by God. Let me say that again. When we embrace our weakness, when we accept the thorn in our flesh, we are in a far better position to be used by God. John Piper uh, said this in his um, 
Desiring God book. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. So what does that mean? We acknowledge the thorn in our flesh. We acknowledge our weakness, our, our, our frailty, the ways that we don't measure up in ourselves. And we start to just rest in that, knowing that the more I am satisfied in God, He is more glorified in me. Not this ideal someday version of myself, but the version of me today. If I can, the more satisfied I can become in God and, and, and where I am, how I am, and, and uh, the way I'm, I, I'm actually made right now, with thorn in my flesh, messenger from Satan, all that stuff. As long as I'm oriented toward God, as long as I'm oriented toward God, He will be glorified in me. So what does it look like for us? What does it look like for you to be actually satisfied in God? Not feeling like the bad dog. Not hanging your head, not tucking your tail, not assuming that God's mad at you. What, is it, what would it look like today for you to become just a little more satisfied in Him so that He might be a little bit more glorified in you? You see, in our weakness, God's power comes alive. In our weakness, God has room to roam. He has room to, to, to do His work. He is empowered in, uh, we are empowered in Him. Our weakness allows His power to come in and, and, and enliven our life and our ministry. Who would have thought that this is the key for us to, to acknowledge and embrace our weakness so that God might be able to come and show His strength in our life and in our ministry? Making ourselves at home with Jesus unexpectedly causes goodness and life and love to blossom all along the pathways of our life. It's actually in our brokenness that God does His best work. It is where and it is how His grace peeks through, drips out, and brings life. So don't lose hope or give in to feeling worthless or feeling wasted. <coughs> know this, my friends. God is never going to give you up. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to run around and desert you. He's never going to make you cry. He's never going to say goodbye. He's never going to tell a lie or hurt you. And for that, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the encouragement, the hopefulness we find in your word. Thank you for Paul's insight that it's in, your, in our weakness that you're made strong. Lord, I pray that we would uh, get to where we can embrace that more, trust in that more, that it's never been about our ability to get it right or to be good. <coughs> it's never been about um, our ability to uh, do the religious things right or well enough. God, it's in the fact that um, you know our, our flaws you know um, the ways that we leak, the ways that we just don't get it right. But you see that as a perfect opportunity. Somehow you see that as a perfect opportunity, an avenue by which you can come close and affect your, your amazing work in us. Oh God, could that be true? Could that be true that I'm not too messed up? That I'm not somehow outside the boundaries of your grace and of your ability to, to be glorified? Lord, I want to become more satisfied in you. 
junk and all, all, all the brokenness, all the weakness, thorn in the flesh, messenger from Satan, all this stuff. I want to become satisfied in you so that you can be more glorified in me. Lord, I know I'm sitting here with a lot of my friends who've, who share with me this, this inclination toward guilt and shame. Lord, that, that assumption, that default setting has made it hard for me to come close. It's made it hard for some of my friends to come close and to be at home with you. But God, I pray that you would do, do some work today in us. Change our assumption. Help us get our heads and our hearts around this reality. That you love us. You like us. You sent Jesus to prove that to us. You're not angry. You're not sharpening a lightning bolt to sizzle us because of our sin. You've gone to great lengths to express your love to us. You've gone to great lengths to make it possible for us to come back to you and to live as part of that love. So we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the, the work he's done through his life, his death, and his resurrection, that which we celebrate during this Easter tide during this Easter season. So God, I pray that uh, you would work this message deeply into our heart, that we would start to see uh, the, the, all those ways that we feel like we failed you, to start looking at them with new eyes and say, hey, maybe this is exactly where God's at work. Maybe this is exactly how God can begin his most amazing work in and through me. Lord, I pray that we would have the uh, perspective, the insight to be able to look and see the flowers that have grown along the path of our brokenness the ways that God's been at work. I pray that we would no longer uh, be ignorant or oblivious to that fact. God, you knew exactly what you were getting into when you chose us, when you called us to yourself, when you sent Jesus. You knew exactly what you were getting yourself into. When Jesus came, he sought out, he chose the least likely people to set an example for how you work in creation, how you work among mankind. You push past the righteous. You push past the religious uh, bigwigs to find those who are so convinced that you don't like them, so convinced that you want nothing to do with them. And you grab them by the hand, you lift them up and say, God loves you. So we thank you for Jesus and the message he brings, that you love us, that you are indeed love. So God, work that message over and over again into our heart today. Keep us from being prideful. Uh, keep us humble. And keep us attentive, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this week you'll be getting another Care Group Weekly Roundup. That'll include some announcements about what's going on. It looks like we may be stuck on the podcast uh, quarantine edition for another few weeks, probably the month of May. Uh, I'm not super pleased about that. I really look forward to seeing you guys again in person. I encourage you to stay involved in your care groups. Uh, reach out, connect with each other, contact each other, send messages, make phone calls, write letters. Um, there are, uh, moving forward, uh, allowances made for groups to get together under 15 people, I believe. So uh, use your, your uh, discretion in that. But uh, you know, if you want to stop by and say hi to each other, uh, you know, feel I'm not encouraging that, I'm not condoning that, but it is possible under the Phase 1 guidance of the Springfield Green County Health Department. So, uh, Also, next Sunday is Mother's Day, so uh, this will be kind of weird uh, not being together on that, but be sure and take care of your mom. Say hi. Happy Mother's Day. Um, yeah, so pay attention to the Care Group Weekly Roundup for 
um, updates and announcements and also a devotional. If you have any questions or if you've not been contacted by a care group and you'd like to be involved, please let me know. I'd love to help you out with that. So anyway, as we close, let's pray together as the Lord taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And now, may the grace and peace of our risen Lord Jesus Christ be with you.